gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. So, we had the HRC Grand, and two of my dogs went and ran. One of them passed, so we now have two dogs with one pass, and I thought we'd have A.G. Shaw back to talk about the Grand, what it was like this year, how the dogs did, and all of that great stuff. So welcome back, A.G. Shaw of Hardcore Retrievers. How you doing? Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be here. Um, you know, we, we started off, uh, uh, we headed down for pre-training a week before the Grand, met up with a bunch of guys. Um, there was probably six or seven of us. Um, we had 44 dogs in pre-training. Um, we spent, a, spent the week doing that. It was, uh, you know, the cool thing about doing the pre-training is it, it gets the dogs set and ready to go for for the grand they think they're they think they're at a test every day so by the time you get to the real deal that they walk out don't even realize they're they're not test wise at all so with four we may only run once a day but having 44 dogs gives us that experience that we can't get you know just training by ourselves and stuff like that so what percentage of those 44 dogs that ran then passed um i think we had about 12 or 14 that the past out of so around thirty percent. Yeah, and what that was about what passed the overall test. Yeah, I think it was about twenty twenty five percent passed the overall test. So it was how a, many dogs ran? Uh, we were just shy of eight hundred. I think it was seven hundred and eighty eight or something like that that actually were entered. Um, I don't know, you know, between the dogs that came in heat and stuff like that beforehand, I, I don't know how many scratches there were, but that's that's what we started with was seven hundred eighty eight dogs. So now people listening aren't gonna probably have knowledge about the grand they're listening to learn about it you're not running 800 dogs in one test in a day no so because we had 800 dogs they so when, when i first started running the grand we had four flights and so every dog would run the same test throughout those four days so we had you know usually your dog would run one test a day unless they got backed up so with 800 dogs they went to to eight flights so um, you know, it was just a, a draw on which flight you got and, and which circle you ran for those, out of those eight flights you ran four, if that makes sense. And, and those four flights are, um, there's a, there's a water test, a land test, water test, land test. And then on our fifth series, after you pass all those, you, you do an uplet. So where you go out and you, we have a, an honor walk up where you, you honor the, the dog's work and then you get the chance to go up and, and retrieve that bird and then you go out in the field and we flush one pheasant so we have to and then on that we have to sh engage the bird shoot it the dog has to sit watch the bird either get shot land or uh fly away so that's the fifth series so but the, the rest is just a regular kind of a duck hunt scenario so you ran my dog uh ace and you ran tank mm -hmm. how did they do they they both were were doing really well. Um, you know, our first series, I think we drew. Well, I know we drew by the the statistics the the hardest test. 
our, our first series, um, and and both dogs did well. Um, Ace had a handle on one of the marks. And what's a handle? So that's where the dog gets a little confused out there sometimes, or uh, gets sucked to whatever the test scenario was but and you you hit the whistle and you start handling the dog to put him on the bird you can only get one of those in the grand out of the four days so you only have one time where the dog doesn't just run out and pick up a bird that went down and come mm-hmm. back you have one time where and this is for the listeners where you're the dog is not in the area of the fall or it's offline you're hitting the whistle and then you're directing them with hand signals to that bird correct exactly and you only get one of those out of five days we only get one of those so generally you know the first few days the judges will tell you to put him on the bird if he's in the wrong area we don't usually whistle we, we don't we don't want to burn that thing we we do a lot of hoping and praying that he that he picks up the bird and wait for the judges to tell us to to do something different um but and then again you only get one of those, and you only get one little flub on a blind where you're giving hand signals, the dog goes the wrong way or something like that. And that's called a refusal, and a refusal being where the dog is not taking the correct direction that you casted them or directed them to. Correct. Yeah, the dog's not improving his, his line to the blind or the, the distance to the blind. So um, you, you can only have one or the other during the, the, the four days of the grant. So... Um, so once you have your on ones, you got to be clean the rest of the way. Ones is you get twos if you're solid. Ones if you you have a little little mistake. If you really screw up, you get a zero. You're done. You're failed. Okay. So, so Ace had a one. A one on the first, first day. First day. Yep. Uh, second day, he uh, did great on the marks. Picked everything up, and uh, they threw a diversion behind us, and he didn't see it go down. So he thought the diversion or whatever I was sending to him was out in the area where the marks were. And uh, I, I couldn't get him to go up there. And it was kind of a common theme for, <clears throat> for fast dogs that ran real fast. They didn't see the test, see the, the diversion come off. So we just uh, couldn't get that done. But he, he did great in the test, though. So that was kind of a, uh, a heartbreaker at that point. So I, I thought, you know, I thought Ace was probably my strongest dog on the truck. And uh, when I lost him, it was a, it was a little devastating. So and then uh, Tank, Tank did great the first day. He got, and Tank was one of the weaker dogs yeah, he had on the truck. Tank, Tank, I was concerned about. I was like, oh, he's young, you know. I don't know how this is gonna go. And and you know, he 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 smoked every test we had. So it was. Uh, I mean, one time he, I sent him on a bird, and, and he went about thirty degrees the wrong way and did like an S-shaped run to the bird. But he knew where he was going. <clears throat> I think he just wanted to see what was out there. So, um, or give me a little bit of a heart attack. But he he smoked every every test we had, and I was really concerned with uh, Tank going into the upland because he was uh, breaking or moving after the bird would flush. Um, all, all training before we even left for the grand, and I was like, oh, I don't know if we get that far if we're going to get through that. But man, that bird went up. I. I shot it with the blank the gunners engaged it it fell you know 60 80 yards away and uh tank sat there watched waited for me to call and and he went and retrieved it and he passed the grand with flying colors so he's a he's quite the machine so now both dogs have one pass ace passed last fall tank passed this fall there was no spring one so we need one more pass we need one more pass and a few points and and you'll you'll have a Grand Hunting Retriever Champion. And the nice thing about HRC is once once you have your uh, finished title or he's a Hunting Retriever Champion, you're automatically qualified for the Grand um, for the rest of the dog's life. And 
to become a grand champion, you have to uh, um, pass the grand twice in the dog's lifetime. So Pickett's going to be 13 next year, and he's got his, his finish title. He, he said he wants to run. He, I, I think it would be a, a great thing for him to run. Um, Do they have like a senior circuit? Yeah. He, maybe need some ibuprofen or something after that one. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really demanding on, on the dogs. Um, so, you know, I mean, just the, the athletic ability they need to pass and, and to be in great shape is, is the key. You know, the, a lot of the tests are designed to, to wear down the dog. So they, they start making the, the refusals and stuff like that when you're running the blind. They're, they're so exhausted from the, the hard work of, you know, it's generally set up in running water. It might be really muddy and hard on the dogs to, to get to the marks and stuff like that if you're doing a water series. Um, so they're, they're tired and, and only the, the dogs in really good shape can, can get through that. Now you ran, I believe you ran what? You had six dogs, but one was in season. Yep. She came into heat, so you couldn't run that dog because they do not let you run dogs that are in heat for obvious reasons. Correct, yeah. And then the other two dogs, you had one that, uh, that didn't make it and you had another one, uh, Jim Cawhey's dog that passed Boomer. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, so, uh. Boomer got ones on the first day, so you know you're carrying that extra stress that we can't make mistakes the rest of the the rest of the time. Um, he did great all the way through um, the upland. He was he's he's a pretty uh, high strung dog, and uh, when we did the upland, he started getting excited and he, and he was like, "Oh, we're going hunting! I know what I do here!" and uh, you know jumping up and down and stuff like that. And and out of all the dogs and all the birds that I get, he. Uh, he flushes his bird, I shoot the popper, and the bird comes down, doesn't get shot, it literally just comes down 20 yards in front of him. So I'm like, he's either gonna break or I'm gonna call him back. So I called him back to me right away, and that counted as my flush because I engaged him with the blank. And the gunners never got their shot off because the bird came down so quick. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, and then we just quartered out of the field and he got his pass, um, but he had trouble the first day on the marks um the we were talking the first day was uh a hip pocket mark where one mark lands where the other one takes off at and uh it was out about 160 yards so it was very tight because of the distance mm-hmm. um so a lot of dogs were, were having trouble and that that was what was was eating up a lot of my my dogs on my my truck and and everybody else's crew was really hurting from our first day we had i think Probably close to 80% of the dogs that left that first day in my flight had ones going through. So the dogs that were clean were did real well. So so when is the next Grand then being run? Um, I believe it is the end of April. And I'm not sure where we're at for that one. <laughs> I have to look and check on that one. They're always in the but, central part of the yeah, country. Yeah, it's gonna much. be it's gonna be in the south. So um, we're uh, I, I know that. So I'm I'm so excited to be through the the first grand. I haven't worried about the second one yet. So well, that is fantastic. Hopefully, we will uh, check in with you before that one. Now, uh, when Ace and Tank triumphantly return, and assuming that we're going to get our our second pass and get this done with. That would be awesome. Hopefully, Boomer, too. It would be neat to have all three of those dogs uh, get their second pass. 
but uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you again next spring. Now, what I want to do next after this break is we'll talk about, I guess, some things that you learned as a trainer at the Grand. And then after that, I wanted to talk to you about what you do with your dogs in the off-season when you take them hunting, if it's any different when you're going to run a dog competitively or not. So stay tuned for that after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to our training tips. So we have A.G. Shaw still here. He just got back from successfully running my dog Tank through a Grand Pass. And I wanted to talk to him about something on the training side. So A.G., I will ask you, is there anything that you saw training-wise that you would do different, add, or emphasize more before your next run of the Grand? Well, I think uh, this time we, we did a little bit more pre-training on uh, Upland than we usually do. Usually we, we kind of do a crash course the night or two before we're going to run the test. Um, this time, about a month before, I started uh, training the dogs for Upland. And um, for me, going into the Upland, knowing what the dogs were going to do was was a much more fun experience and a calmer experience than, than usually you're, you're kind of shaking and it's the fifth series and it's the last little part. And so, so that, that's one thing that I did different this year. Um, I think, uh, the, the pre-training is a huge deal in, in getting big groups together and stuff like that and, and getting the dogs exposed to that. So, um, that's probably something I'll, I'll add more of this year. I, I do a lot of, uh, you know, small group training and stuff like that, but try to get, you know, larger groups together and, and to have the dogs exposed to, to that atmosphere of the excitement of everybody being around and stuff like that. Yeah. I know a lot of, uh, field trial pros, they'll actually join clubs that have grounds and then they'll train together and they'll stake their dogs out, which staking your dog out is where you're, uh, basically pounding a big stake in the ground and then the dog is, uh, on a leash. Uh, so that they can't uh, they can't run away. You're not necessarily doing that so they're out of the trailer because the trailers are they have air moving through them and they're very cool. You're doing that so the dog is part of the circus. I always tell people that if you're going to run a hunt test, make sure the first time they don't they 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 are not around that circus or the first time they're around the circus is not at the first test because I still remember I took my first dog and I'm like, man, my dog's going to do so well and she just about tore the blind down when I was in the holding blind because she was so excited. Yep, exactly, exactly, and that, and that is, you know, even the simplest things of using holding blinds. I mean, you know, we don't we don't do that a lot in training because we're we're in a hurry to get set up, get the dog out, and run them. But if if you set up those holding blinds, those dogs get so used to them that makes makes for a much calmer experience when, when you're going to to the line and and uh, the dogs relaxed, you're relaxed, and and things go a little smoother then. So if someone wanted to do group training and they were hunting or they were training basically by themselves, what would they do to try to uh, create that atmosphere? You know, um, I would I'd definitely join a club, like you said. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of great clubs around the country and HRC or AKC. Um, and, and there's a lot of people that are willing to help you. Um, otherwise, if you, you know got a group of guys that, that you all get together and train, that, that's, that's what it's about. You know, if you can get, you know, six, eight, 10 guys together and you all got dogs and you want to do some, uh, hunting training, you know, it's, it's the way to get it done. Yeah. I know personally when I've had people that want to run their dogs in, uh, competitively, 
I train generally for gun dogs, but occasionally I'll have someone that says, you know, I really want to try to run my dog. I'll have my kid go with my 209 primer pistol. I'll put up a holding blind and I'll have him talk and quack on the duck call and shoot the pistol off a few times while I have the dog sit, sit, sitting next to me. And the whole time, I think what's key when you find someone that's inexperienced is talk to your dog. Yeah, talk to him when you're in the holding blind. Good dog, sit, good, sit. And the other thing I like about an HRC test as opposed to an AKC test is you can talk to your dog up to, I believe, finished. Uh, when you're in the earlier stuff, I'll talk to the dog and run them purposely in those levels so that the dog doesn't break because, man, once you get a dog that breaks at a test and they understand they can, that's a tough one to fix. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, big, I started in HRC, so when I went over to AKC, that, that was a big uh, big jump for me is not to talk to the dog. And because I have trained so long for HRC, I'm used to talking to the dog. The dog's used to hearing me on the line. So, so one of the tests, you know, my dog broke, he's like, Hey, you ain't saying sit, I'm out of here, you know? So, but you know, we're, we're HRC, we can say sit all the way through and talk to the dog. But I mean, basically the difference between the two is, you know, we have gunfire in the field in AKC and we have guns that we're shooting in HRC next to us. So they don't have the sound out in the field. So we have to be able to talk to the dog to get them to move here and heal so they can see where the birds are coming out. Where in AKC, they can hear where the birds are coming out. So that's a great tip. Next, I want to talk to you about what you do with your dogs during hunting so that they still are prepared to run competitions. So we'll cover that after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the hunting portion of the podcast. So, AG, now you probably have a lot of people that are running their dogs competitively and dabbling in that, but they're also, all of them are using them as hunting dogs because that's why we train. Right. What would you do and what do you do with your dogs when you're taking them out hunting to keep them so that basically that you aren't going to have them regress or take a step back? Um, well, you know, it, two different worlds. You know, the, the hunt test world, we're, we're trying to be exact and, and put them right on the spot because we know where that bird is. And when we're out hunting, sometimes, you know, that, that bird's crippled or whatever, so he's running. So we got to let the dog use his instinct there. But I, I think, uh, you know, probably the try to maintain the steadiness. Um as best you can you know i mean it, if it's just you and your dog it's it's a lot easier to to maintain the steadiness in the in the blind or in the in the mud hut or, or whatever you're you're hunting out of um you know when you, when you get your buddies who don't put as much effort into uh steadiness and, and their dogs are breaking constantly you know sometimes you just want your dog to get a bird so you let him go too but um but you know if it's just you and, and a couple guys and, and it's your your great hunt your great competition dog and stuff like that um I'd, I'd work on steadiness but if if he's in the area of the bird let him hunt where in a hunt test you know we we keep putting him on the bird with hand signals and stuff like that but let the dog do use his instinct and stuff like that so does that make yeah that does it, it's funny because it brought something that I do different than a lot of trainers do. Um, when I train dogs, I, tr I don't train dogs for hunt for competition. So I will literally let a dog struggle for a long time 
before I ever try to help them on a mark. And I know that when you're running hunt test dogs and you're, you're in that world, you'll actually have a winger that will throw another bird to get them in an area, or you'll have someone that will call their attention and throw a bumper. I don't do that. And that's honestly kind of interesting because I explain that to my clients. I try to give the dog as much perseverance as possible because I want them to not lose that. And that's something that you probably can do in hunting is letting them do that hunt longer. It's going to give them more perseverance, which is something they're graded on when they're in competition. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. You don't want the dog to give up. So what you're saying is the exact way how to how to make that dog stay in the field, stay in the hunt, and, and keep working it out and find the burn out of its own. And that's what people don't understand. The term is popping. And popping is where the dog actually turns around and sits and looks at you like, all right, I can't find it. Where do I go? And you get downgraded on that too. So it's probably something you can strengthen your dog on for season, keeping in mind that you you need to keep them so they don't get too loose, as in loose being uh, where, they're, where they're losing their obedience. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I, th- I think uh, the popping is is perfect, perfect thing to tell you that you're handling your dog way too much rather than letting him hunt. So, yeah, exactly, Jeff. I tell people uh, when they've got their dog that when the dog's hunting, they need to just shut up. And it's funny because I say it blatantly. I'm like, just shut up. Don't talk. I'm like, have you ever hunted with the guy that sits there and tells your dog, hunt it up, hunt it up, hunt it up? They're like, yeah, everybody. I'm like, I know everybody does that. I'm like, do you realize when you're yelling hunted up to your dog, they're looking back at you going, where do you want me to go? Because that in their, their mind is, is they think that you're going to help them. I'm like, you hear people all the time when you're out at public grounds, hunted up, hunted up, hunted up, hunted up, hunted up. They're almost like panicked. It's like the dog's out hunting. Let the damn dog hunt. They're, that's what they're doing. Just shut up and let them go. Yeah, exactly. Trust the dog. The dog probably knows where the bird is better than we do, you know, so. And I don't know how many times I've had a dog where I'm like, I've corrected dogs with collars where I'm like, damn dog. I'm like, get over here because I know where the bird is. And you're nicking the dog with a collar and all of a sudden the dog's 50 yards to your left and the dog brings the bird back. And you kind of feel a little bit like a dick. No, you are because you didn't trust the dog. So trusting the dog is a great phrase. Yeah, when you, my, one of my, uh. One of my first dogs, I learned the hard way because we were out pheasant hunting and uh, the the dog wanted to go in the other field. I'm like, no, no, they put the birds in this field. Well, I finally, I, I went with the dog and the dog flushed a whole bunch of birds for me. So I, I learned to trust the dog right there in my early stages of this game. So that's uh, that's my story on trusting the dog. Well, that's it for this podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. A.G. Shaw of Hardcore Retrievers for being on with us. It was great hearing how the dogs did at the Grant. Thanks, Jeff, and thanks for letting me run your dogs. Appreciate it. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.